Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody, my name is John Wascavage, one of your co-hosts, and this is Broadway Breakdown. <laughs> and I'm Mitt Kuplik, and I'm your other co-host. I was trying to go for Bernadette, but I ended up kind of doing mid-career oh, Alice Ripley. It, was, it yeah. ended up being mid-career Alice Ripley. It definitely was. Yeah. Finish your intro, sorry. Oh, that's, that's all I had to say. I was also going to say, <laughs> didn't I see this movie, and didn't I cry, <laughs> didn't I cry. Right, it's so funny that I was going for like weird Midwestern NPR person and you were going for Bernadette Peters who morphed into Alice Ripley. <laughs> I think that says a lot about, about us. Well, about I don't know us. what it says about me. Like you did that and I thought you were going for sort of like, I don't know, like Bernadette Peters on, you know, potters, uh, smoking potters, <laughs> something like that. And so I tried to like oh match God. you. Could you imagine? Oh, man. Bernadette Peters on marriage like I'm, sh- I'm sure she has at one point in her like vast life and career in the arts oh, like yeah. could you just imagine Bernadette Peters oh my gosh yeah, what a she- beautiful thought, thought for this morning <laughs> side note about Bernadette Peters um one of my dear dear friends is the associate director for Hello Dolly and he texted me yesterday yesterday was his birthday and he goes um Bernadette Peters just saying happy birthday to my face my life will never get any better and I literally texted back I was like happy birthday congrats you might as well kill yourself now because truly your life has peaked yeah you there's nothing else Bernadette to live Peters for. singing happy birthday to you could you like just think about that for a second like a yeah. personal happy birthday from Bernadette Peters that mm-hmm. is like God reaching down while you're sleeping and just caressing your body and being you know just saying Matt I take away all your pain I take away all your trials I take away everything that's ever ailed you and you you are born anew and healed i mean or just me maybe that's just me i don't know no it's me too i was, I was gonna say like les mis all of a sudden makes sense to me now like right redemption and taking to love another person stuff. is to hear bernadette peters sing happy birthday to you Shut or i guess up. it should be i guess it should be to hear bernadette peters sing oh, fuck <laughs> Yeah, just, just in general, but happy just birthday specifically. To hear Bernadette Peters saying happy birthday to you is to see the face of God. That would have been more correct. I'm sorry, everyone. God. Sorry. It's the end we of take that show. back. We, we apologize. Re-edit. Re-edit. It's like it's early in the a.m. on a Sunday morning, you guys. It was a two-doche yesterday. Mm. We are, we're making sacrifices. To, we truly <laughs> are. It. We truly are. I was just telling John, uh, my, ne- my next-door neighbors, and this is New York oh, City, so like so literally sorry. next door, literally next door, they adopted a newborn baby a couple of months ago, which is like the loveliest thing in the world. However, yeah, that's I'm good for them. Yeah, mm. good for them. But like I'm currently <laughs> suffering because this bitch, yeah. I think her name's like Fiona or something. Uh, like no. it's, it's like a really random baby name. Uh, she wakes up at like three in the morning, screaming her head off. They put her back to sleep. She'll wake up again at seven in the morning, screaming, screaming her head off. And she wakes me up. But for some reason, her parents like are immune to it now. But I wake up every time she screams. So like I am dragging today. See, I once was living in this, this apartment and this is how I found a way to deal with that type of situation. Because um, our upstairs neighbors had like literally had a newborn baby and she was so sweet and so cute. But girl was a beltress. She was a mm. scrultress. She was mm. screaming all the time. And eventually what I started doing was I just started, I, I renamed her for my sake and I named her Denise. 
<laughs> and this was this was way before the the Kimmy Schmidt episode where um what is it the the, the I don't know if you've seen the, the most recent season but there's a certain uh, baby's name a certain name they're like that's yeah, not the name Linda, of an adult Linda. Linda yes they're like that's not the name of an of a baby that's the name of an adult woman in accounting and like yeah. years ago I had that same idea and I renamed this baby Denise because I was like you've never met a baby Denise Denise is someone who you meet at like the checkout at CVS yeah like she's the person who's like do you have your extra savings ca- or extra care savings card today and you're like Denise I'm sorry I left it but I have a phone number yeah but, and so I renamed this baby Denise and it gave me such freedom to talk about her without feeling bad about shit talking a baby. Like I, I, I would, I would, you know, I'd hear Denise screaming and I'd be, or I'd say something, you know, along the lines of gosh, Denise is just up to her like regular shit again. She just doesn't yeah. give a shit about anyone else. Like fuck you, uh-huh. Denise. Fuck you. Um, I'm going to, I'll call so, it, I'm going to start calling this baby Marge. Cause that's like, yes, yeah, exactly. Fucking Marge. You, you will get such a release from, from even just being able to, cause there, there's something people, look down on shit talking a baby and come on people they deserve to be shit talking yeah like sometimes babies are assholes they are literal shit human beings Billy I beg to differ with you how do you mean you're the top yeah you're an arrow color you're the top what a treat. Today we can actually do our job because I, since our last podcast, I've actually seen some New York theater. Yes, he has. As have I. By the and time this episode airs, like well. my, well, my four most recent Instagram posts are all just going to be like the shows that I've seen because I've seen so mm. much shit. Oh, I can't, I'm so jealous of the ones that you've seen, too. I'm extremely jealous. Yes. I mean, be jealous. That's all I'll say. Um, yeah. But let's start with Mr. John because yes. uh, he's the one who traveled through states to get here to see traveled shows. Near and far, wherever I are. <laughs> um, yeah, I was in New York a couple weeks ago. We had Easter Sunday off, and um, so the the male swing for my show and I were like uh, later Gators. So we drove up super early on an Easter Sunday, like the good Jews we are, mm. um, and. I'm not Jewish, but I have a little Jewish. We all we all know John. We all know about your about your church camp. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> but I, <laughs> everyone does. It's true. Yeah. But, uh, but we drove up to New York, and um, I was able to catch the evening performance that night of a little ditty called "Once on This Island," a little revival. Um, yes. And. Have you seen it? Yeah. Uh, I think we talked about it a couple of months ago. I did see it. I saw it in Did we? Oh, my God. I mean, it's, I it's honestly also been, can't remember I mean, anything like, let's, anymore. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's call a spade a spade here. Like, we, <clears throat> when we discussed it, it was so long ago. I'm not surprised that you don't remember. Sorry. This is also just more recent. I, I must have been smoking weed with, my, with Bernadette Peters. Absolutely. Um, it's all very that new was, to us. probably what happened. Um, but so I finally saw Once on this Island, and I'm sorry that Matt has already talked about it, but... Let me reiterate, because I feel like there was no way that he could have possibly disliked it. Um, It was just the perfect little package of musical theater, joy, and, like, love, and creativity, and artistry, and just... I feel like I've, I've said joy a thousand times, but just joy wrapped up in a perfect little box tied with a perfect little bow and just presented to the audience. And I just, I loved it. I, I know that we've had discrepancies in our views of Michael Arden's direction in the past. Mm. Me constantly kind of being on the positive side. And I'm sorry to say that in this case, I am even more whole hog all mm-hmm. from Michael Arden. I just, I just thought his work in that was just... Yeah. Amazing. I thought the storytelling was amazing. I thought the performances were amazing. Um, I didn't see the original cast. Uh, Leah Michelle. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Everybody. Retreat. Oh, my God. She did it, you guys. She made her way into this podcast. I've tried so hard to make her not be on here. What did you say to taking chances? Jesus Christ, John. Okay, Leia Salonga, Jesus, um, was out and her understudy was on. And let me tell you, this woman was 
living. She was thriving. She was she was amazing. She was so fantastic. I will admit I was slightly disappointed at first when she w- when I did see that she was not on, which I hate doing because I've been an understudy before. I I it's a weird phenomenon that happens when people find out that the person who quote unquote does the job every night is not on and and people kind of get this weird, oh, well, you know. But gosh, I was just proved wrong once again. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was amazing. And I guess the woman who played, um, oh, excuse me. The, the one thing I'm really bad at with that show is everyone's names. Oh, yeah. I, even, even like during the show when I could see who they are, I just called them Waterland Queen. <laughs> Waterland Queen. <laughs> queen being Alex Newell and, um, uh, Ice Princess. Or, yeah. I don't know. Her costume looks like an love, Ice Princess. The goddess me. of love, but yeah, she she <clears throat> looks like she's straight out of Frozen in that in that costume. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. Um, but I still didn't hate it. Still loved it. No. Um, but I saw. I think I think it's Papa Papa Gwe, the 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 evil one, the the, yeah, the war, the, the, the killing, uh, the death of, one. Uh, yeah, that's that's god of, god of death, goddess yeah. of death. I guess. Yes. Yes. Um. I saw Tamira Gray from American Idol, who I guess is a replacement. Yeah, um, Merle Dandridge apparently is shooting something. Uh, oh, like she's I, on I, she's on some Hulu series or whatever, but she'll, she she <sighs> she's supposed to be coming back. They said. I heard she was amazing. Um, I, I I saw the show with someone who had seen the show already. It was their second time, and they were a little at first, you know, that that weird disappointment thing, and, and they were thinking mm-hmm. that. Oh, you know, you know, it's Tamara Gray. She was really fantastic, I thought. I loved her. I mm. loved her. Um, everything from start to finish of this production, I just, I really enjoyed. Um, I loved the way they transformed the theater. Mm-hmm. I loved, I loved, um, uh, oh, pff, John, get a brain. The uh, T-Moon, uh, Haley? Yeah, what Haley something or other. I don't know how to yeah. say her last name. Yeah, she she is just in she is she's one of those performers that I think some people might look at and think, oh, she's doing too much. She's like a little too like not even showy. She's not showy, but you you see the struggle on her face, or you see when uh, every emotion that she is feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, I it's not that she's not a subtle actress because. she, I, I would argue that in ways she is, but I, I would say that there's a certain type of uh, style or acting that some people might be a little averted to because it's not what we're used to now in this more uh, theater becoming the TV style of acting where everything is really, um, you know, it, it's much more subdued, I, I, yeah. I, I would say. Nuanced uh, and the, subtle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, she was just so invested and completely at 120. She was feeling every emotion 120%. And I just, I appreciated it. I loved it. I, I, I loved her. I loved it. It was, it's yeah. a rave review. You guys go see it. Um, Five out I, of four really, stars for John Miscavige. Seriously. And the cherry, the cherry on the perfect little Sunday that was, Literally, it was on a Sunday. <laughs> Look at me. I'm doing multi-layered jokes. Um, whatever, perfect little <laughs> Jesus Christ. The perfect little Sunday that uh, was seeing once on this island. I'm walking out, and who do I run into but Matthew's mother, who's like, John? And I was like, oh, my God. And we just hugged. And, you know, she's, she's, uh, she's. She's a force on this podcast that <laughs> always, always finds a way to be mentioned in the best way. Yeah. I, and I just adore her. And it, oh, it made me so happy to see her. And I, I mean, I also just got such a chuckle out of the fact that like, we do this podcast and I haven't seen you now in months. Yeah. Who do I run into at, once on this island? But your mother. And we have what? a real quick like, you know, girl talk sesh. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I, I adore her. It was so sweet to see her. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, speak. Uh, so when John was raving about Tamira Gray, my mother also came home and ra- raved about. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I said I was trying to do it away from the microphone. It's fine. I, I'm also I just want everyone to know that was everyone. John was blowing his nose there, guys. He wasn't. Um, it wasn't yeah. the other end. He's sick. No, um, it wasn't. Yeah. I've, well, yeah. Allergies, and I, I just got over being sick. Side note: performing without a voice because I couldn't call because my understudy was already on. Humbling, mm. very humbling, very humbling, very very humbling. Um, <laughs> very humbling. Go ahead, sorry. Uh, she comes home. So this is this should give you an idea of who, what, <laughs> of who my mother is. She comes home and she also is raving about Tamira Gray. But when the way she raved about her, mm. it was so 
shallow. She was like, ah, the woman who played the goddess of death, she was just fabulous. Her body's insane. And I went, but how was her performance, mother? She kept going like, her abs are so defined and her arms are ferocious. I was like, what What do you think of the performance, though? She's like, ah, the performance is great. Her body's insane. So... I will will agree with her with that because honestly, the one thing that I I kept forgetting was that it was Tamira Gray. I I knew it in the beginning. I watched the whole show and about three quarters through, I had this moment of going, oh my God, right, that's Tamira Gray. I I forgot because, I mean, I loved that season of American Idol. That was the Jennifer Hudson, Diana DeGarmo, um, Fantasia Barrino season. I loved that season. That was probably the last season that I watched because it was just so epic. There were so many epic, amazing women that it was just, it, oh my gosh, that season, that season was amazing. Um, and all of those women now have like strong theater careers. Yeah. Thanks American Idol. Thank Um, you. But, uh, but the, I kept forgetting that was her because she also, I mean, granted, yes, her makeup and her like, her costume covers a lot of her face and her body in different ways. But I kept thinking that she was some 25 year old, like right out of a um, conservatory because she looks so young still. She, 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 she looks amazing. I mean, she must go to Bernadette Peters dermatologist slash boobologist slash body, yadi, yadi, Yeah. Body, yadi, yadi, boot camp. She, yeah, she looks amazing. Good for that um, bitch. Good yeah. for her. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I can't really add anything onto your once on the silent review. I agree with yeah. all of it. And you're right. Like but, I, we we did disagree about Michael Arden's direction when it came to Spring Awakening. Spring but, Awakening, right? But and I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that it's that he has calmed down in his staging since then with Once on the Silent, but it just it works much more for the piece. And there's yes. and. All the problems I had with Spring Awakening, which were more technical about, like, pacing and transitions, I had none of those problems with this. I thought they were all so beautifully done. There was a yes. rhythm to this production where oh my when gosh, it slowed down, it was right. When it sped up, it was right. And, mm-hmm. yeah, everybody fit so well. I'm very interested to see the next thing that Haley does. Kilgory? Is that Kilgory? I don't know. I always feel like it's Haley. Haley. I'm going to call her by her first name. We're best buds. I'm looking forward to seeing... What Haley does after this, because it is not a performance that translates to like other styles of of theater. Like there's, I feel like there are certain performances you watch and you go, "Oh yes, mm. like seeing this, I know that so and so could do just about anything." Like when I saw Yurma last week, for example, with Billy Piper at the yeah. Park Avenue Armory, it was the kind of performance that starts off very subtle and nuanced and natural, and then as the show progresses and things get more insane, it becomes more like greek tragedy and from watching it you just yeah. know she can do any style of acting sure. and Haley's performance works so perfectly for this production that i'm very interested to see she, she just is t-moon that, she that, is that's the thing and, and yeah. she and she's t-moon in the way that this production needs a t-moon so it's mm, i wouldn't say mm-hmm. it's like you don't want to say it's like the definitive because it's once on this island there's so many different ways to do it oh yeah totally. but like yeah, she, I'm. I'm very interested to see the next thing she does. Not to be Same. like, prove me that you're versatile, but I'm. No, I'm excited no, to see no, how no. versatile she is. Same. Me also as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like you, exactly like you said, four out of five stars. Um, let's talk about your one of your theater going experiences. Specifically, oh my gosh, I'm <laughs> literally a mess. I'm burping. I'm sneezing. I'm blowing my nose. Do not get old, kids. No. Don't do it. No. Don't do it. This is the messy slut episode. <laughs> yeah, just this one. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow color. You're the top. Well, I saw. So this week I saw two things. Um, one, what I was very positive about, and one I was extremely negative about. Oh, which no. would you like to hear? John? And the thing is, I feel like I, I think I know which goes to which, and that upsets mm-hmm. me for you. Yeah. Yeah, it upset, oh, it upsets no. me too. I was very very upset when I saw the thing that made me very that made me angry. Um so no knowing okay. what I think you're guessing, which one would yeah. you like to hear? Um Oh god. I want to let's end on a positive note. Okay. So let's I'm just going to say it cuz I know in my yeah, heart you know it's it true. Is. Let's hear about Carousel. Mhm. Oh, no. Let's hear about it, kids. Well, okay, so let me get this out of the way. 
I, when this production started previews, I told myself I wasn't going to read comments. I was like, I'm going to, I know I'm seeing it in April. (laughs) I like, I I have a friend who's in the production. Like I'm going to go in as blind as I can. That lasted about two days. And then I, I read some stuff and what made, and I got angry reading because I was reading comments about all these cuts that they were making to the material. And yeah. And I was like, okay, like maybe, maybe it'll be fine. And I, I, I think I read like for the first week of previews, I read comments and then I stopped and then I waited Mm -hmm. and they, so it's hard to, one of the things that made me angry when I was reading the reviews for when it opened were the reviews that were basically saying like, well, the show is dated and doesn't really work anymore as you know, evidence in this production to which I'm like, you can't rightfully judge the show because they've made John, they've made so many cuts to the material. Like not, not even like there, there are subtle ones that I know that only I would recognize because I know the show so well, but even if like, if you had seen a production of carousel that was done as written John, like last year, you would see this production go like, I feel like they cut some major things, even if like off the top of your head, like they cut three numbers. They cut, they completely, changed the what? ending of act one yeah i'm not i mean none of them are like like they didn't cut like if i loved you but they cut these like three smaller numbers that are very big on character so there's um there's a mini song in act one called give it to him good carrie which is carrie basically yeah. telling off <gasps> give it yeah. to him good carrie give it to give it's him good. i reference it almost weekly yeah it's it's the highest <laughs> like audra has ever belted on a cast recording it's the highest audra has ever belted on a cast recording she belts a right. d constantly um and it's an important song because it epic. sets up juno's busting out all over like it sets up the the hormones of the men and the women because it's them right you know fighting each other but in, in a way that's you know showing that they're playful that they're just, yeah delightful and they're very revved up and it also shows you the independent spunky spirit of carrie pipridge to see that yes. she doesn't that she doesn't uh, feel owned by a man. So like these men come on stage and they're like, where are the, where are the donuts? We're hungry. And Carrie's like, fuck off. That's the song. Um, mm-hmm. And they completely cut it. They go right into, um, they go like right into the end of that bit where the men sing. And then Renee Fleming just comes out and she goes, ah, this year's just like any other June is busting. I'm like, no, there's, they just nope. cut three minutes worth of material right there. Um, they also cut, uh, so after soliloquy, after Billy does his whole eight-minute soliloquy, which Joshua Henry sings very well, uh, mm-hmm. I can't rightfully say that I thought his acting worked as well as I wanted it to, but he's, the show is sung very beautifully. This sure. After soliloquy ends, there is a mini scene afterwards where he tells Jigger that he will go through with the robbery and they will go to the clam bake and they will, you know— yes. But, and Julie runs out and she's like, oh my God, you're coming. I'm so excited. And there's this lovely little moment where Billy kind of just like pushes the outside world away for a second because he's there and he's so happy to see Julie happy. And right. Jigger clicks it back and he's like, Billy, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Go get the knife. And then everybody comes out and they sing a little reprise of Junus Busting Out all over. And it ends very somberly because they're singing, you know, the last note. And then instead of like a big finish, it kind of peters out and there's like just a little string I remember this playing. very well yeah it's like it's it shows you like that something terrible you know something underneath this way comes. Yeah. yeah exactly that scene is completely cut the act one ends with soliloquy he ends the final note there's a knife on stage that jigger threw at some point and he grabs it and the lights go out and i'm like no 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 then act two begins and they do clam bake and there's this whole scene where jigger decides he's going to like seduce Carrie but it's more, it's uh, to be perfectly honest it's it's an attempted rape scene is what it is and yeah. it's it's Correct. played for laughs in a lot of ways which it I mean it should be because until you realize just what that Jigger's actually going to go through with it his attempts to seduce her are just so ridiculous like he's showing her self defense and it's ironic yeah. that he's showing her self defense while he's about to make her helpless uh right yeah so that scene's been cut in half and it's and it's just, it's very odd, and then there are two songs after that: "Geraniums in the Winter," which Enoch sings because mm-hmm. he walks in on Carrie, and you and that song's important because it's when you realize that Enoch, for all of his being a respectable man who supposedly cares for Carrie and wants them to have a good life, when he sees her in a vulnerable position, he's immediately like, "You're a slut, and I want to have nothing to do with you." Won't even yeah. hear her out, and he like runs off stage, and you see the that it's not just billy like there are so many awful men in general just because a man cleans up nice and has a job doesn't make him better than anyone else like he when it comes down to it men can still be awful and then that leads to stonecutters cut it on stone where jigger sings Mm -hmm. 
you know, if a woman's in love with a virtuous man, she'll be so uh, sad. And then all the women saying, no, a girl is in love with any man, good or bad, is terrible. And that leads into right. what's the use of wonder and where Julie sings, like, it doesn't matter if he's good or if he's bad. If you love him, you love him. But without right. geraniums and without stonecutters cut it on stone, it just goes straight into what's the use of wondering. And by ha- by cutting all of that, it, the song comes across as the ode to wife beating that people is, have always claimed that it was. Which It's not. It's That's not what the song's about. But in this production, without that yeah. buildup, it comes across like that. Um, and so that made me mad. And then there's a scene in that song as well. So like this, Julie sings her whole, you know, uh, the, sings the song. But before it ends, Billy comes back out on stage, and Julie runs him. She's like, "Don't go with Jigger. I don't want you to go." Yeah. And uh, obviously, like Billy's about to leave the island because he's about to do this robbery, and he's got a knife in his jacket. And Julie goes to him and feels the knife, and she's like, and she realizes that he's about to do something really terrible, and mm-hmm. she asks for the knife. Like, almost like a mother to her child. Like, give me that, please, Billy. Right. Like, before you do anything stupid, please give me that. And he can't tell her what he's about to do. He's like, he's like, you don't understand. You don't understand. I'm doing this. Like, the the whole implication is he's like, I'm doing this for us. And right. she's just like, you don't know what you're about to do. Don't do it. And he runs off stage. And then the women sing to Julie a reprise of one verse of What's the Use of Wondering, which is, you know, common yes. sense may tell you that the ending may be sad. So it's taking her words and bringing them back to her and showing that, like, your advice is about to be your you know your downfall your downfall right. yes the women are not on stage for this it's just julie carrie oh. and, and Nettie. and that scene with her and billy is also cut in half so she doesn't she never discovers the knife billy comes on stage and she's like billy don't go and he goes i'm going and that's it and then renee fleming's like common sense may tell you and i'm like oh jesus mm. and and then julie sings the final line because she comes back she goes but what's the use of wonder and i'm like no it's ugh. I, I just I, I was sitting there so angry so angry because it's such like it is such a phenomenally talented cast and it is sung yes. so well and the cuts really undermine Julie as a character like Julie is not is a, Julie is one of the hardest roles for a woman to play in musical theater because she is very clearly a smart independent strong woman but she's making a choice for herself consistently in the show that the audience disagrees with. And it's yeah, frustrating she, she to see really that. Poor, she makes poor choices, which is yeah. one of the most frustrating things to see on stage and in real life. Yeah, see absolutely. someone who is smart and loving and caring continually make poor choices. Yeah. because and her, It's such a lesson to learn. It it's is. A, it's the crux kind of of that show. Yeah, and the and the we go in a carousel round and round and round. Literally, you know? it always is coming. You're always coming back to the same the same point. And the the and carousel as a show doesn't provide clear cut answers. It's never. It's right. that's not what it wants. They're like they're like Julie's not a doormat, but she is making a a decision that is not good for her. She does. She chooses to be with Billy because despite all that toxic energy he is what makes her happy and she knows that she's has nothing else to look forward to in her life that will give her happiness so it's like okay he he makes you happy but he also is so terrible for you so like what it, like is the trade-off worth it and then the same thing goes for carrie like she gets to be with a man who is successful who doesn't beat her but she conforms her personality and her life in the end when you flash forward 16 years later to the life that enoch wants not the one she wants like yeah yeah act one he, there's that whole joke where he's like we're gonna have a bunch of kids we're gonna be very wealthy and she's like i don't want a bunch of kids flash forward 16 years they have a bunch of kids a bunch a bunch of many. kids like nine bunch of kids denises. Bunch so of many denises, denises running around bunch of denises um so just text wise that made me mad uh another thing that made me mad was sort of the attitude this production had towards the material um and like i we all know how i feel about carousel we all know specifically how i feel about the ninety four revival. Murphy knows how you feel about Carousel, even. So. Yeah, everyone knows. Everyone. It's everyone it's knows. like like I went backstage afterwards, and my friend in the ensemble who was like, he's like you like you can honestly tell me what you thought. He's like because I know how you feel about the show, and I won't take it personally. And I, all I said was like I won't say it in the house. Like we'll get coffee, but um, yeah, like like everyone who knows me, at, even fleetingly knows that the ninety four production, in my opinion was as close to perfect as carousel can get but i still went in with high hopes i was like this cast is so strong it's so inventively yeah. cast like i'm I'm very excited 
the attitude they gave it was sort of American Pie Americana of like old school nostalgia. What a throwback. Just enjoy the music. Like it's an it's oh. 1945. And that goes like the tempos were so fast for everything. The music, the scene work, like moments don't didn't get to land dramatically in this carousel because when Jesse Mueller tells Lindsay Mendez uh, in Act One, you know, about how Billy's kind of going through this downward spiral, what took Sally Murphy a minute and a half to do, Jesse Mueller does in 20 seconds. Mm. And when she does the last Monday, he hit me. She's like, she pulls her aside and it's like, last Monday, he hit me. But I'm like, no, that's. That is that moment mm. is supposed to be like, like the 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 rock bottom. Like you are telling her about all the terrible right. things that are going on, and to cap it all off, last Monday he hit me, and it's oh God. It just made me so mad because people people have divided opinions about Carousel. People either say right it's a show that doesn't work, but it's a beautiful score, or people have seen productions that work and they go, no, there's so much there. <laughs> If you if you love Carousel and know what it's uh, what it's capable of, this production is not for you. If you mm. think that Carousel is nothing but a beautiful score, you will see this production and you will enjoy it because it is so well sung. There's a lot of dancing. I can't rightfully say I think that all the dancing works, but you know, mm. it's it's this production is designed and directed in a way to be like forget all your worries, which is infuriating because Carousel is a show that's like no, there are a lot of worries, right. Right. Uh, yeah. I, so, I don't. I don't think you're supposed to leave Carousel feeling good about anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it gives you like the slightest sliver yeah, of hope, hope, but like it's it's more. Yeah, I mean, it's not a show where you walk not out. Even and that like, it gives you hope. It it proves that even in the bleakest situations, there's always that sliver of persistence in the human exactly. spirit. Of, I'm and, going to get through this. Ooh, ooh. Last so thing. Last thing, and then we're going to move on. This. Last thing, we're going to move on. Yes. Another major cut. So there's a there's a specific line in the show that people always have problems with, which I want to just point out right now is a line that actually comes from the original text in Lilium, which is the play that Carousel is based off of, and Hammerstein actually softened the line a bit, which is the it is possible. The kiss one. Well, sort of. It's people oh. misquote it. What it is is that yeah. Louise gets hit by Billy, who's a ghost, right? And right. she says, "I I heard the sound of it. I didn't feel it. It was almost like he kissed my hand," which is just Hammerstein sloppily being poetic he's like trying to poetically write that billy's a ghost so when a ghost hits you you don't fucking feel it so like <laughs> right that like if anything that's what makes the line kind of sappy to me but it's not saying that hitting someone who if they love you feels like a kiss <laughs> but what happens is then sorry i swear i'm doing that slightly away from the microphone but not from the microphone no. that you can hear on skype so <laughs> what you're hearing matt is much worse but i mean you people are probably hearing me still blow my nose so sorry I'm, yeah it's okay, fine continue with the it's, line. you're just you're just you're just you're just you're just so good at going through your mask john that's all oh girl um but so louise says is it possible for someone to hit you loud and hard and not hurt at all and julie says yes it is possible and in the original script uh uh louise then asks like has it happened to you and like is that possible for someone to beat you and julie's like yes it's possible for someone to beat you and beat you and beat you and beat you and hammerstein's like no that's overkill cut that cut that just make it the hit thing this production cuts the line cuts the uh interaction altogether so louise goes i heard the sound of it but i didn't feel it and then julie's like go into the house and then billy sings if i loved you and i'm like what it's that line is not saying that it's that if someone loves you and they hit you it doesn't hurt right it's and it's important for Billy to hear Julie say that because it's he needs to understand all the damage he's done and why it's so right. important that he actually does something for the people he left behind because he like he's just by by being as reckless as he was in act 1 and the beginning of act 2 he's left a trail of hurt for the people that matter the most to him and he now needs to rectify it and without those lines the ending makes no sense and mm. It's it's I'm it just made me furious. Um, so I'll 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 leave it with that. I really, I'll say it again. I really hated this production. Um, if someone loved it, I don't want to take that away from them. But I have clearly laid out all the reasons why I didn't like it. Um, so negative one out of four stars. There negative one out of four, one out of four. Yeah.
speaking of dramatic potential, John, you saw another uh, piece of uh, musical theater. Of American theater. Yes, mm-hmm. I did. I saw another staple of American musical theater, um, Frozen. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? I have not yet. I'm waiting till July. Uh, another friend of mine is in the company and might get oh. to go on for one of the sisters in that in that time, so that's what I'm going to go see. Oh, I think it's the same friend. Oh, wait, you went to school with her, didn't you? I did. She actually played. Oh my gosh, she actually played Carrie in the production of Carousel that I directed in college. Oh, she would be a great Carrie. She was uh, this a, is she was uh, an actress named Lauren Chapman mm-hmm. who is just phenomenal. I did a reading with her last year, and I I was not familiar with her beforehand, mm-hmm. and I just fell in love with her, as I think everyone does. Yeah. I think you, you meet her, and you hear her sing, and you watch her perform, and who just she is, and you're just... She... she She's perfect for that role. I I, I would yeah. love to see her go on in that role as as Anna. Yeah. Um, as much as I would like to see Patty Murin, <clears throat> I... Who, I who, is, who is fantastic. I yeah. Mean, Everyone in the cast is amazing. Here's what I will say, because I, I really, it. you know, I, someone a couple weeks ago, I, I made like a frozen joke on social media and someone hijacked my post and commented very negative things. And I'm not very close with this person. I worked with them years ago. And to be honest, they are now finding it hard to get work, I feel, because they have they're such a negative person. No matter what, you could you could present them with the most enticing, amazing piece of theater and they would just find a way to tear it down. And oh, their whole social media presence is complaining and saying, Look how hard my life is. Uh, they're just that kind of, kind of person, type mm, of person. Yeah. So when they hijacked my post that was like, that was not supposed to be anything actually about the show. It was just a stupid frozen joke about whether people screaming, let it go, or I don't know. Um, and they wrote kind of a scathing review in this post. I deleted the comment because I do have friends in frozen. I have friends on, on all sides of frozen. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just don't like, someone being scathing for the for the point of being scathing and i don't think that their claims were valid now that i've seen the production i really enjoyed myself i thought everyone up there was giving 130 mm-hmm. percent I, I mean every every ensemble member everyone every moment they were just they're so invested um uh, Casey and uh, Patty as Anna and Elsa are so fantastic together apart um, just charming and uh, you know I saw the I I was a big fan of the dress reveal bootleg that went around <laughs> a while ago yeah. and I have a, a full version of that um, or someone had sent me a full version of that and at the end of it, even though they had taken the song down, the ending sounded a little shaky, and I was kind of worried because I didn't know if it was just the curse of Let It Go. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like that that song is kind of cursed because people want to give more too early, and then they kind of biff it on that last note. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that bootleg from Denver, she doesn't... It, it's not awful, but it's definitely slightly under pitch, and so I was really worried she sounded cast recording ready yeah she she's she sounded amazing both of them did but i mean especially on let it go Mm -hmm. her new song monster i mean she just was tongue out tits up (laughs) belton to the rafters it was it was thrilling to to watch and to listen to um that being said i did not enjoy it um as much as once on this island um just just for a sheer um, technical things I don't think have anything to do with anyone who's in the show or really honestly it's if I if I would fault anyone I would just say Disney theatrics kind of got too too much Disney theatrical if you know what I mean um, like I, it was I, like I it was don't... too much or it was not enough some of the things were too much I don't know if you've heard about the troll costumes yeah um have you heard about the troll costumes? I have, I feel like oh, I have, I have heard about the, about the troll costumes, costumes, honey. It it looks like they were trying to create something that was calling back to the other Disney theatrical amazing costumes that we've seen in the past 
like Lion King, where they're a artistic tribal view of animals or mystical creatures, but they're obviously human. You know, those costumes in Lion King do look like animals, but at the same time, they they are artistic representations mm-hmm. that you you look at and you go, that's obviously human. That's obviously puppetry. That's obviously that. That's obviously that. But it's it's art. Like it is art, without a doubt. I would say those costumes are, and I feel that they try to do that with these troll costumes, and instead they somehow. Matt, I mean, people had to approve this. Multiple people had to approve these costumes. That yeah. that's that's just where my brain goes a little haywire. They looked like giant rats. I looked like giant rats with big cowardly lion tails that were rat tails. And um, although the main king rat troll, I don't know what he was, has an amazing body and six pack abs and Mm. they made him go shirtless. And so you just get to like ogle him. Um, Other than that, those, those costumes, girl, I was, Ooh. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Lion King because it's, Lion King was sort of a turning point for Disney theatrical in a way because before that they right. just before that they had just done Beauty and the Beast and that was like a very literal translation of the yeah. of the movie and Lion King was a very much more artistic high concept mm-hmm. view and from mm-hmm. there Disney is Disney like then tried to go full fledged high concept and then they tried to go to throwback with with Aladdin and now they're trying to find a balance Lion King works because every costume every set piece speaks the same visual vocabulary so like it'd be one thing if um like the simba costume was what it was and then like they had a literal elephant on stage you know it would make simba Mm -hmm. looks out of place everything kind of follows the same mold Mm -hmm. and from what i can see from the costumes the a lot of the a lot of the companies at least the human characters are very literal translations of their animated counterparts which makes those troll costumes look so odd yeah, the the costumes are very period slash, uh, I guess, location correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, some of the costumes and the ensembles during the party scenes reminded me of Anastasia, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, that, that kind yeah. of costume design. And so seeing those costumes and then a couple scenes later seeing the same people with kind of prosthetic Neanderthal, unibrowish uh, additions and these just these huge pant bottoms with huge asses and huge tails it it was just it was really weird it was really weird mm. um and so that that uh, that that's the one thing that i i will say that i will definitely just kind of i i can't sugarcoat <laughs> you know i i, I try yeah. not to be negative um that and i just i think to be honest i really think they would have been more successful honestly putting putting the movie on stage and just leaving it at that. I mm-hmm. I don't I do not think that anything they added to the story from for the stage show mm-hmm. adds. I think it takes away. Yeah. I, it, it's Which honestly that's I do like the I case. do like her act two ballad monster. I do mm-hmm. like it. Mm-hmm. But poor poor Casey, um after kind of like the first 30 minutes, she doesn't really have book scenes. She just belts for the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. So she kind of becomes a tool for belting. And her book scenes that she does have that they added to fill time and I guess create character and relationships. I think that's what they wanted to do between her and, and Anna. Uh-huh. And, and these ballroom scenes, bef- like after her coronation, they... Uh, Matt, I felt like I was in Bizarro Land for a little bit because there are almost three identical scenes that happen interspersed in a song between the two sisters, and they're the same. It's the same scene over and over again, three times. That it, it's so bizarre. It you you kind of watch it and you're and you're like, oh, oh, okay. And then a song like part of the song happens, yeah. and then they meet, and you're like, oh, they'll have like another sister moment, and then you're like, oh, it's it's the same thing. Oh, okay. That, you know, that, that's fine. And then the song happens and then they meet again. You're like, Oh, okay. This one, this one will be it. And then the same exact thing happens. Why and does that keep suddenly, happening? Suddenly you're in Groundhog's Day and you're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't, cool. Like, that, that there are a couple of shows in the last few years that have had that happen. Like, I don't know if you saw on your feet. Um, no, I didn't. I no. mean, like, sure. It's a lot of fun in the sense like that music is just yeah. so infectious, but the book, um, Half the book is just people telling Gloria Estefan she can't do something because she's either a woman or she's Latin. And that's, you know, a great tra- that's a great trajectory to have, like, for your overall arc. But literally, it's like right. the previous scene 
someone tells her she can't do something and then it becomes a number one hit and the following scene someone's like you can't do that again and everyone's like it 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 gets repetitive in the sense that one yeah. like she's already overcome that hurdle so and maybe if like time has passed and like she can't get another hit or something like that then and that would make more sense but to literally have her be at like the height of her popularity and someone being like you can't do that and it's like what yeah it yeah it, it really left a weird taste in my mouth and then especially when she just kind of stopped having book scenes after that i just yeah yeah it it was it was it was it was weird i i would i I would recommend people going to see it Mm -hmm. i uh, you know i wouldn't it was it's not something where i would say oh my gosh don't don't waste your money i i don't think that at all i think i think it's definitely worth seeing um i just i don't i think once again disney theatrics was planning on this being its next crowning jewel a la lion king Mm -hmm. for what it does to theater and I, I, I just don't know if it was successful. However, it also does not need my opinion at all because it's going to run for a long time because yeah. motherfuckers, it's frozen. It is you know, frozen. The, although I will say, you know, it snows at the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there are bits of confetti that are involved with that. And I'm in Pittsburgh, hundreds of miles away. I, that was two weeks ago to the day. I stepped out of my doorway this morning and I looked down on the floor. There was a piece of confetti. <laughs> I really am so excited to hear about our crowning you know our crowning jewel of this episode i i imagine that you will have a similar response to other people that i've heard um please take it away with the other show that you have seen recently um the pinnacle of the height of american theater and doesn't oh (laughs) go die go die um yeah so uh because uh, John's memory is so short, uh, I we did actually talk about Angels in America at the no, very I remember beginning. That we did, yeah, well, yeah. That was, I think that was like our second or third uh, episode. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So for those, so I'll try to be really fast because we're gonna try to wrap this up soon. Uh, this we have a new production of Angels in America. It's the first time it's been on Broadway since the original production in the nineties. This is a British transfer from the Royal National Theatre, and. Uh, when we first were recording at the beginning of this podcast, I had gone to go see a broadcast of it because the National does uh, telecasts from their theaters now, which I love. It's such a great thing to do. Mm. Um, mm. And I en- and I remember enjoying it. I did not love it in the broadcast. One of the things that we had talked about was uh, it, there was a lot of humor that felt like it was taken out of it. The scope, the size of the production, I felt kind of made the piece get a little lost because in london it was on such a very large stage and Mm -hmm. uh i wasn't i was i was not a fan of andrew garfield's and millennium approaches which is part one was a bigger fan of him in perestroika and i will say in new york it has improved immensely it is not Mm. perfect uh but i don't think Mm. it's it's so hard for anyone who loves angels to see a production to go like this did everything i wanted because like they're it's it's a fucking like eight hour piece of yeah. theater, you know that it, <laughs> it's 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 four shows in what people do in one Broadway show, you know yeah, that it's absolutely it's such a epic yeah in it's all it's so epic it goes all over the place it's a million characters and it goes from the beyond into heaven and back and it's and it's not said like it's it's eight hours too so there's a there's a lot of room for something to go wrong or for something to be iffy and there's a lot of room for greatness. Um, I'll start yeah. off with things that I thought were heavily improved uh, in New York. First of all, it's at the Neil Simon Theater, which is a very sizable theater. Uh, the auditorium itself is much larger than the one that was in London, but the stage is smaller. And so the set mm. is not quite as immense. It's the same set, but they've kind of had to shrink it a bit. And that has actually helped the production a lot. The mm. other thing is that by being in New York, New Yorkers just get this piece more than the Brits do. Not because were better or anything like that just there are jokes that are so very new york that only new yorkers will understand there's a huge punchline at the top of perestroika when 
Roy Cohn gets admitted into the hospital that Belize works at, and Belize gets on the phone to Fryer. He's like, I've got some dish. The number one closet queen in New York City is in this hospital. And Fryer just goes, Koch! And in London, on the broadcast, I remember, like, it got some, it got a little bit of a laugh, but in New York, it just slayed. Everyone in that theater right. fell out of their chairs. And what, and that's helped the cast a lot because it's, the cast now has adjusted their performances a bit because it's almost mm. like when they did their first preview in New York, I want to say maybe they like, all of a sudden they went, oh crap, this thing is so funny. Like, it is right. so funny. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's draining too and there's so much drama in it as well but like it is all i would say honestly 70 percent of the play is a comedy um it's Mm. about very extravagant it's about very extravagant extravagantly emotional people people who feel very wildly and have and are very smart and very articulate and that Mm. has helped the piece a lot andrew garfield i actually liked a lot more this time around his first scene is still Mm. problematic to me it still reeks of someone who is not actually gay um mm. which and I, th- we, I think we talked about this too prior doesn't have to be played by a gay man but you can always tell when a straight actor plays him because there's like a whiff of like a f- almost like a foreign accent in there you know like even right. if like someone who's fluent in the language but clearly was not born in the country you know what i mean right. um there's there's just always right. gonna have that element to it um right yeah but uh, the the performance has improved a great deal it's funnier now it's tighter now um Nathan Lane is just incredible. He's so on fire. And Lee Pace, who's now in it as Joe Pitt, replacing Russell Tovey. Uh, I know Ben Brantley did not care for him. I thought he was wonderful and was like truly embodying what Joe Pitt is, which is that of a of an all-American man or someone trying to be an all-American man. And right. then just, you know, tearing at the seams, you know, just slowly falling apart because he can't do it anymore. And it's yeah it's it, i the whole thing just works so well and it's the first time in a very long time for both parts where i have seen an audience give what i would call a true standing ovation which is mm. like the entire audience for both parts leapt to their feet at the exact same time gave the kind of applause that could break a theater and would not let the cast leave the stage they came out for like four or five different curtain calls for both parts like there were there were a couple of times where you saw them scramble back out being like should we should we take another one like i I don't know. And it was it was just so it was I love seeing that kind of reaction from an audience. I oh my gosh. I'm so jealous that you saw it. I I I'm back in New York for only two weeks at the end of May, beginning of June for, for this like long stint that I'm out. Mm-hmm. Um and it's right after my thirtieth birthday and all I wanna do is see that and curse child. I know <clears throat> that I know that the hours that I have in New York are slightly more. Like, it's only a few hours more than I'm in New York than than I would have to see both of those two epics. Mm-hmm. But it was worth it. You know, Absolutely. If, if I barely sleep while I'm there, I don't care. I want to see it so badly. I've heard I've heard rave reviews about um, Angels, and I mean, I, I yeah. trust your opinion so much, and I, I know that you are so well versed in this show. Mm. Um, and so um, yeah. it makes me excited that you you feel stronger about it. Here. I do, yeah. It's I mean, and as I said, like there are still moments where I was a little, um, I wouldn't say upset, but like, you know, certain things that annoyed me. It's still like the uh, angels' entrance at the end of Millennium approaches. I thought it was a little, still a little too graceful. Um, part of mm. part of the visual joke is that she's this, she's an angel, and we think of angels as these holier, lighter beings, and she just crashes through the ceiling like a right. like a bolter. Um, right. So she doesn't do that this time. Like a so, bat but, out of hell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the design and the performance is so good for it. And yeah, it's... I, as I would say, any things that I had problems with in it are overcome by the fact that I'm just so pleased with all the improvements in it and how much... Mm the audience is reacting to it and really kind of just it's a wonder it's a wonderful feeling i highly recommend it and i will be seeing cursed child in a week and a half i'm bitch i know bitch so bitch i don't know if i told you this so i'm first of all the today on this day april 15th as we record this i will be ending our podcast and going to see mean girls uh with my mom and my sister so like we'll have thoughts on that Mm -hmm. can't wait can't wait (laughs) but um two weeks ago uh, my editor, I write cast album reviews, guys, sometimes, and I don't get paid, but I get paid in theater tickets. And my editor was uh, called me and he's like, would you be 
interested in Cursed Child. And I was like, bitch, I have a fake ass wand from Harry Potter World on my bookshelf that I won't let anyone touch. It's made of plastic and it's $40 and it's my most prized possession. What do you think? So he was like, great, we're, we're well, seeing it on. Well, you I, know that I'm still reading it now for the first time and I'm about to go to Florida for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, you better believe that on the docket, is, I'm getting me one of those wands because i've already been to harry potter world but it was before i read it mm. and i regret everything so i'm getting a wand this you're time getting a wand this time. what book are you on right now i'm still on four <sighs> it's taking me a long time it's hard because i don't mean to make keep making excuses for myself but I, projects keep coming up for me and so i keep having to my reading time then goes into script work and character work Must and so it's nice. taking me forever but um, um i was gonna say because like, i i got <clears throat> told i was gonna see it about two two and a half weeks ago and I went, okay, I, us- I usually reread the series every year, every summer, but I was like, I'm going to reread them again right now before we see the show. So that was two and a half weeks ago. I'm about 100 pages away from finishing Order of the Phoenix, which is book five. Um, what? Yeah. Oh my gosh, Matt. You were showing me up, bitch. Well, also, like, my pro- stop watching my, also, say, my project time is not the same as yours. Like, I have one big project, but it, it's not taking up all my time like yours. So there we go. Mm. I, I have more time on my hands. <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a loser. Are you happy now, John? Are you happy? Matt, yes, that's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> Wonderful, I'm glad I could help. Validate validation, and you're just completely destroying your own self. <laughs> no, uh, just kidding. Whatever. Just kidding. Go Never take your that. cigarette. Change. Go take your cigarette. I am done. <laughs> um. Hey, listen. We like accomplished something today. <laughs> we <laughs> did. It's- it's a new feeling for this podcast. We talked about what well, I ran into a friend. Uh, he saw the show last week. Shout out to listener Jason Jason's Shavers. Um, and he, he was like, oh, I just love the podcast. You guys are so fun. And he was like, I'm pretty sure I listened to an episode the other day where you guys literally only talked about drag race instead <laughs> of theater. And I just took, I looked at him and I went. Yeah, that's probably exactly what happened. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that I'm, I know that, I, you know, I haven't, I don't listen to these episodes every day. You know, I listen to them after you send them to me or, mm-hmm. or once they get released. Um, and so I, I just looked at them for it and I was like, yes, seems legit. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure I, it's already slipped my mind just yeah. <laughs> that we did that. But I think so. that was like, there was a time where we were really good about like every like every week or every two weeks we'll record something and like neither one of us had seen any theater there was no theater news and we were like what's drag race let's just talk about all stars three listen it was important it had to happen it was but hey this is for you jason we actually we covered four shows four i'd like to see ben brantley do that yeah Mm, that's right we we said it brantley actually balls in your yeah we said it we know that you're out there listening. We know that you are sitting there with your Nespresso because you know he doesn't drink coffee. No. Yeah, you know that he has a Nespresso no. machine. Him and his British um, uh, uh, fetishes. He totally does Nespresso. Oh, dear God, yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so take that, take that, BB, Brabello. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, look at us, Matt. Let's just pat ourselves on the back a little more. Mm-hmm. And then on the front. Oh, maybe later. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's not even noon. We'll mm. wait for that. Anywho, um, this yeah, this has been very jam packed. I'm a little sore, but I love it. Yeah, me too. Honestly, I only to stretch a little bit before the show. Oh my god! You know, <laughs> god. Right. Well, um, I think this is as good a time as any. Now that we've ended on such a positive note for both angels and our podcast and our listener Jason, um, <laughs> I think that we should uh, call this one a day. Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's been a day. Um, a long day. Listen, everybody, what a treat. Uh, this has been one of your co-hosts, Jean-Louis Yaviage. This is your other co-host, Ellis Ripley. Oh, <laughs> no. Every time I think you're going to say your name. I, it's also, I kind of hear Alice Ripley. I also kind of just hear, it's, I don't know. No, it's... Like deaf Alice Ripley. <laughs> No, I, my Alice Ripley is very good. I learned it yeah, from my friend Allie Gordon. It's 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 next to normal Alice Ripley, and then I also have um, sideshow Alice Ripley. Those are two important differentiations. They are very oh, uh-huh. honey boo boo child. It's the difference between an F and a C. Honey, honey. um, so true, uh, so true. But yeah, okay. Well, we've been signing off for fifteen minutes. <laughs> so John Miscavige, Matt Goblin. What's your name? Great, cool. This has been Broadway Breakdown. Um, I adore you all. Go and be one in the light. 
go and be one in Christ. Mm-hmm. But don't really. I don't. Don't. Know. I don't care. No, who cares? Just, good. Good luck with you and what? Did, what were you naming your Denise? Oh, uh, fuck, Marge. 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 Good luck with you and Marge. I hope you get some sleep. I'm gonna go sing for some blue-haired people in this matinee. And I'm gonna go watch some pink girls be pink. Um, I think we should have Alice Ripley take us away. Actually, that's perfect. That's yeah. perfect. I love that. Take it away, Alice. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.